Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. I would say that um, it'd be likely that we would, would sign a, a couple guys at least, uh, kick some tires. You never know. To me, that's what you do this time of year. Whenever there are guys out there on the street that have had some success in the past, they might determine that it's time to get off the couch and take a chance on that guy. And again, we've had a few guys in the past that we've had success with that we signed this time of year. I think Jermaine Gresham was one of them. Tommy Kelly. There's some different guys that we signed later in the process um, that have helped us. So I you know, remember going all the way back to John Abraham. Yes, Eric Winston. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was big time. Right yeah. There. So again, there'll be opportunities, and, and we'll certainly jump if there are. Uh, Steve Kime, general manager of the Cardinals, he was a guest on Wolf and Luke's show. That's back on July 22nd when that came down. A Kime time signing, and we all know the names. We've all seen the varying degrees of success the organization has had in signing guys like that, typically around this time of year, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later. Dwight Freeney, Antonio Cromartie just guys that, you know, veteran guys, kind time specials, you get them on the cheap, and they end up having a good year and turning it into a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Cromartie especially turned it into quite a bit yes, of a payday he when he, he left here. He yeah. So much so that he was, if I remember right about him, he was playing his butt off like the first 10 games of the season well, and then dialed it down a little bit because yeah. he kind of wanted to save himself for the next contract. Sure. Well, right? we've got 16 different child support payments to make. <laughs> You you know you don't want to make get get hurt there. <laughs> I'm laughing in spite of myself. What? The nothing. It's just funny. Remember You're the funny. Thing, remember the thing he did That's with his funny. kid. Remember the thing when somebody asked him, "Can you name all your kids?" I do you remember that? Vaguely remember that. There was uh, and he could right, and he kind of started naming like all of his kids, and he had to think, and he had to stall. Mitch, that would be gold if you could ever find that. Yeah, it was a time like somebody. Can you name like I don't know if they if that was the question, but you know, it started to ask. But and he started to try to thinking about his kids and trying to name each one that type of I'm thing. Trying to remember if he was able to or not. I thought he was able to. Cardinals have seventeen million dollars in cap space right now, and and part of this is the DJ Humphreys you know redone contract the extent that it got uh, created nearly $7 million in cap space for the team this year. Add that to the existing space they had, and the Cardinals have you know just around $17 million in space. Now, nobody, and I don't want anyone to misinterpret this conversation you and I are about to have for the next few minutes. Nobody should believe for a second that by us talking about what we're going to talk about means we're giving up on the season or we're not thinking about this season. I'd like them to spend some of this money now, go get a corner or two. They sure. could use that. But today, NFL.com put out a list of the best free agents who will be available after this season. J.J. Watt made the list, and that's not the point of the conversation. He was the only guy with cardinal ties on the list. But if you're looking at where this organization is thin, offensive line, cornerbacks, there are a bunch of those guys on that list for next year. Let's just go over this. Top 25 NFL free agents for next year. Okay? Perspective class headlined by Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. I, I... I highlighted the two positions of the biggest need for the Arizona Cardinals, which is offensive line and cornerback. Okay? Let's count how many guys are in the top 25. Quinton Nelson from the Colts. Orlando Brown the uh, from Kansas City, both offensive linemen. Eric McCoy, the center from the Saints. 
Elkton Jenkins, offensive lineman from the Packers. James Bradbury, cornerback for the Eagles. Rakia Sin, cornerback from the Raiders. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six of the top 25 come in at positions of need for the Arizona Cardinals. So last year they spent money in free agency. This year they really didn't go. I don't talk about not, not spending like your own players, but going outside and getting other guys. Last year they did it. This year they kind of held back a little bit. Maybe next year they do. Now Nelson, everybody says, will probably resign with the Colts. And Orlando Brown is playing this year on a franchise tag. He said he wants to stay in Kansas City. Now McCoy is, uh, you know, uh, ranks fourth among all centers. He's going to hit free agency at 25 years old. He's going to cash in. Jenkins, really good. Coming off of an ACL injury. Might be ranked higher, they say. And then you look at the corners. Bradbury, who's 29, starting to get up there in age, so next year he'd be 30. And then Rakia Sin, who's younger, but brings some toughness and ability in press man coverage. So there are some big names out there. So if you do want to spend on a good offensive lineman, a cornerback, there are big now. It depends on how they do this year, obviously. But there are some big names that are out there. It depends on two things. depends on how they do this year. And it also depends on how many of these guys are actually there in free agency You know, a year from now. This is the list now. We, we don't know how many of those guys are going to get resigned, how many of those guys are going to get tagged, how many of those guys are going to, you know, this is the, it's a very, very preliminary list. And if there's one thing I've learned looking at free agent lists, boy, especially in the NFL, they change. They change. The, these, these websites will put out there, here are the best free agents in football. And then a month later, after everything's been tagged and extensions have been done, that list has been dramatically thinned out. That being said, look, they're going to, I think, on the offensive line, especially Gambo, they're going to have to spend money next year. They're going to have to. Have to. Have they're, 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 there's nobody. If Justin retires. If Rodney retires. If Rodney retires, your left guard and center are now gone. Kelvin Beeson's a free agent, too. And he's 33 now. I think he'd be 34 next year. I like him. I like him, too. You know, he's an older guy. Now, we've talked about this, too. You're going to have to do it in free agency and the draft. So, Beecham's 33. Next year in the summer, he'll be 34. So Justin Pugh is in his 30s. Rodney Hudson's 33. It's an older offensive line that if everybody stays healthy, you've got a quality offensive line, no doubt about it. But you've got to start looking at replacements for these guys. You have to. You're gonna have to. You're, you're gonna and and a corner. We all know what they have. A corner isn't enough. It, it's just it's it's not. And I don't know what they're gonna do with Byron Murphy. Okay, let me ask you something. Go for it. Only pl- only offensive line starting offensive lineman that comes back next year is your left tackle DJ Humphreys. Mm-hmm. Pew retires. Hudson retires. The other two guys leave. What is the biggest area to you? What would be the most important area for them to address? Right tackle, guards, guard or center. Both guards would be gone. Oof. Right tackle, guard, or center. The only offensive lineman starter you have coming back next year. Right tackle first, center second, the guards third. I'd go guard. First? Yeah. Ahead of the centers? I would. Wow. I'd go guard. Right tackle. See, for me, I went right tackle because he's up on the edge. And you got pass rushers on both sides that you have to deal with. Um, center, because we saw the difference between having a subpar center and a great center and what a difference that can you make. You don't have good guards, you can't run. Well, I know, but, but it, I mean, it's all... You can't run. They, they all matter, Gambo. I'm not saying they, 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 I, I, they all matter. I'm I not mean, saying they don't. I'm saying which you, this isn't a guess, right or wrong. I mean, it's which you, you prefer right tackle. I, I would say guard. 
That's just, it's not a, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's not, I'm not saying that. I'm okay. just saying, I'm saying I would prefer a guard because without a guard, you're not running the ball. You're not running the football if yeah. you don't have too good. You don't have a good, a decent guard to run behind. I just guards I, pull. Guard, I mean, you need I need to run. I was debating going center number one, I, and that's fair. That's just fair, because the Rodney Hudson factor and Kyler yeah. how much of a difference that it made with him. Um, it, it look they've got what's interesting. To me, is that all the free agents the Cardinals have next year, and yet J.J. Watt was the only one who made this list. Like, they've got a bunch of guys who are hitting free agency next year, but none of them are, at least at this point in the process, thought highly enough of that they'd be put on a list like this. Listen, there's still a lot of love for J.J. Watt. At 33 years old and not having had a great year in a, in a while, there seems to be a lot of love for him. There, there, does. there does. Yeah. I mean, hey, J.J. Watt's going to be one of the top 25 free Really? Okay. I hope he, I hope he is. Hope he has a good year and proves that. When we come back, according to reports, there was a massive three-team trade in the NBA that was at some point discussed. The real takeaway we have is wondering why the Suns weren't involved. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Friday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, hanging out with you. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is um, typically the very, very, very quiet time in the NBA. Not a lot happens right now in the NBA. Everybody's gone. Everybody's on vacation. This is the first normal offseason the NBA's had in two years. I mean, yesterday we were celebrating the two-year anniversary of Devin Booker's shot in the bubble against the L.A. Clippers. Yes. So, And, of course, the year before, uh, a year ago, the season had just ended. The finals had only ended a couple of weeks ago, I think in late July, because everything getting pushed back. So this is the first normal offseason the NBA's had since 2019. So everyone's gone. Everyone's on vacation. That being said, there was a big rumor that surfaced today. I saw it on ProBasketballTalk.com. It surfaced, though, on HoopsHype.com. And it indicated that at some point and it doesn't say exactly when, and obviously the trade didn't happen. But according to Hoopsite, Michael, Michael Scotto of Hoopsite.com, the Lakers, Knicks, and Jazz talked about a three-team trade that would have sent Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, Russell Westbrook to the Jazz so he can be bought out, and a bunch of picks going to Utah and other players in the mix as well. It's not a real clear picture, but there was like Pat Bev could have been involved, Jordan Clarkson could have been involved. And this Boy, is a report, right? This isn't a, like a rumor, right? Is somebody reporting Somebody this? reported that the, the proposed three-team trade scenario included Westbrook going to Utah and getting bought out. <laughs> Utah would send Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, a combination of two players, including Pat Bev, Clarkson, Boyan Bogdanovich, or Malik Beasley to the Lakers. The Jazz would get significant draft pick compensation, etc., etc. I have a feeling what you're laughing about. I just I just have a feeling what it is because you're chuckling. It's, it's garbage. It's it's. it's it's not true. Not none of that is true. They're not and that one thing in there is true. It's just not. It's that's not true. It's a it's a garbage report. It's just a garbage report that's never been discussed between the three teams. It has not been discussed. One hundred percent guaranteed. Never been discussed between the three teams. It's not happening. So I listen. I mean, go through it again. Yeah, okay. I understand why it works for the Knicks. They get Donovan Mitchell. I understand why it works for the Lakers. They get off of Westbrook. It's not happening. It's not happening. 
That's not happened. That's not, there's nothing. I, I understand people looking at three team trades and four team trades. And trust me, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about whether the Suns could get involved. If you get the more teams, look, it's hard to satisfy every team, the more teams you add, but sometimes it does work. We've discussed whether the Suns need to add more teams in the mix to get Kevin Durant because what the Suns have right now is not enough to satisfy what the Nets would want for Durant. So do you add more teams? I've talked about the Knicks because they do want Donovan Mitchell. Clearly the Jazz are trying to find out what Donovan Mitchell's value is, but they're probably not going to trade Donovan Mitchell. And there's no truth to that report because none of that, none of what's being said right there is 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 true. None of it. I'm curious if they do end up moving Mitchell at some point. If they're trying to get if if they can get more for Mitchell than they got for Gobert. And if they're going to have to realign their sights a little bit, because I know I would imagine they would want more for Mitchell than they got for Gobert. I don't know if they're ever going to get more than that for anybody. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. seems like you might not get as much. Like the, you might not get as the much. The bar that was set with the Gobert trade by the Jazz, as much as you can sit here and say Donovan Mitchell is better, therefore we should get more for Donovan Mitchell, I just don't know if in reality that works. I don't know if you're going to be able to get more than what you got for Gobert in a Mitchell trade. I don't know if anybody's Look, ever going to be able to do better than that Gobert trade in terms of draft pick compensation. That was ridiculous how much they got. I don't got. think they would get the same thing for Donovan Mitchell, but I think what they are trying to do is find out what the value of Donovan Mitchell is. What is the value? The Knicks clearly want him, but I think it's unlikely that they trade him, but I do think they are trying to see what the value is. But that right there, yeah, that trade really works for the Knicks and the, and the Lakers. That's, I mean, that's a that, that's not going to, that trade would not work for the Jazz. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. And again, I mean, it's just, it is. It's hard to satisfy everybody's needs, the more teams. You know, that's why most trades are just two teams. One, you know, just two team trades, but because it's hard to satisfy every team getting into three teams and four teams. Sometimes it could work because you could alleviate some of the issues that a team has. Like the Nets feel like the Suns don't have enough to give them for Kevin Durant. So you would have to try to get a third team or a fourth team involved. But again, it's just very, very complicated. A lot of math has to work to make that happen. Um, but clearly the Knicks are, are the Knicks have their heart set on Donovan Mitchell. Sure. They'd love to get him. Sure. I just don't know if the Knicks would be, I don't know if the Knicks are gutsy enough to pull the trigger to your point about getting another team involved, I saw this story too when talking about the NBA, and this was also on probasketballtalk.com. And this wasn't as specifically as, as naming names or teams or anything like that. Ian Begley of SNY TV reported that um, part of the problem with a Kevin Durant trade, and I'll just read you what he said uh, verbatim here, quote, part of the pessimism stemmed from the idea that as of last month, there was little appetite in the market for teams to serve as a third or fourth team to facilitate a Durant trade. Okay. Quote, no one wants to help Brooklyn get a deal done. Close quote. I, I, I mean, I buy some of that. Yeah, I do the, buy the some teams, of that. The teams are looking at this going, okay, Brooklyn wants more than what they're getting offered for Kevin Durant. Teams that want Kevin Durant, like the Suns, need to get a third team involved, need to get a fourth team involved. That's kind of part of the equation. And that those teams aren't in a big rush because here's what they'd be helping Brooklyn do. They'd be helping Brooklyn move off of a player who signed a four-year, $200 million contract. And a lot of those teams are like, you shouldn't be giving into that guy. 
guy. You shouldn't be giving that guy a trade. You shouldn't be. All you're doing is making it harder for us to do all of our jobs three years from now when our guy wants to do what Kevin Durant is doing to you. We're not going to help facilitate that. We're not going to give you an avenue to do that. Now, I unless unless there's an overpay. Well, yeah, and, and that's and that's where I'm a little unless skeptical of an it. Overpay. I'm skeptical of it because it seems to me that if there's a third team, that eventually after a while they're like, okay, I know we don't want to help Brooklyn out here because they shouldn't trade Kevin Durant. Man, you're going to give me how many draft picks and how many players to help facilitate this well, deal? You're not worried sure, about, I'll be your third team. You know, I don't think you're worried about the Nets as being a competitor. I think uh, you might be afraid of if 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 Durant comes and can beat you. Like, am I gonna am I going to help facilitate a Kevin Durant trade if I'm a team that's contending in the West and he's going to go to the Suns or Golden State? No. I, would agree, I would agree that's part of it, but I also think there's part of it that like just philosophically, hey, dude, you just signed that contract with the Nets, you know, and if we help you get you out of there, all we're doing is making it easy for future versions of you to get out of the places they don't want to be at either, and we're not going to play a part of that. Which is why it has to be an overpay. It has to be like, okay, make it worth my while, then I'll help you. Make it worth my while. Then, if not, then there's no business. You know, I'm not like like I can get off a contract. Okay, I had a second round pick. And I, if I could, if I could get good value for it, then I will. Then I'll be glad to help. But it has to be a lot of value in order to do it. Yeah, uh, that. But that is that, whether there's any truth to this or not. I don't know. Uh, the other thing in the NBA to keep an eye on is LeBron James. Yesterday was the first day that teams that the Lakers were allowed to start talking contract extension with him. Uh, reportedly. It went well, but ninety-seven million over two years. Right? Yeah, he, that's the, that's Man. that's how much he can get. He can also sign a one-year extension. He can also sign a one plus one, like a one-year deal plus a player option. Apparently, what's driving all of this? Two years from now, his kid is going to be draft eligible, and so there's a belief that whatever LeBron James does, he's going to structure the contract in a way, Bronny, so that he can go play with Bronny. Whoever drafts Bronny, that he can free himself because that's his. Dream. I remember when Ken it, Griffey Jr. played with Ken Griffey Sr. So do I. Yep. In Seattle. And you know what? It's pretty freaking cool. Because mm-hmm. I watched Ken Griffey play. He was on the big red machine, and obviously with the Yankees, and then Ken Griffey Jr. came up and you know with Seattle and they got to play together. That that, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was. It was, it was pretty cool. Um I, I it would be pretty cool to see LeBron James do it. Surely he's gonna manipulate this contract with the Lakers to make sure something like that can happen. We'll see. When we come back, the Pac twelve has announced a new partnership to help their athletes get some money. It's different. It's unique. We're going to try and talk ourselves through it a little bit because it sounds cool, but there's some details we don't quite understand. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. that is uh, clearly not going anywhere when it comes to college sports. And, of course, we're talking about NIL, name, image, likeness, even though like three days ago I forgot what NIL stood for. Now I know. I'm just trying to figure out what Liv stood for. Yeah, Lick Ice Violently. Lick Ice Violently. The mm-hmm. the, the Lick Ice Violently tour. Mm-hmm. No, it's actually just a Roman numeral. Just a Roman we, numeral. We, we learned that. We, we had no idea what Liv stood for. We Now we know. It's just a I Roman I knew anybody numeral. with the initials I-L, I could probably say love that person love somebody with initials IL love Ian Victorville right Ian. something like that right yeah. <laughs> I suppose you could if you, yeah. if you really yeah. wanted to yeah I suppose you could uh, but NIL 
dominating, you know, the, the college landscape, kids getting paid. We saw ASU, goodness, how many players did they lose because of NIL? How many players did they lose in the transfer portal because they knew they were going to get a million here or a million there? There was even a story earlier this week. Um, a group of ASU boosters announced the launch of an organization aimed at helping Sun Devil athletes earn more support in name, image, and likeness. It was uh, kind of a, the Sun Angel Collective is the name of it. Right. Uh, there are some uh, Jake Plummer's involved, Brock Osweiler, Omar Bolden, Jordan Simone. They're on the initial advisory board. They've gathered like a million dollars in pre-launch commitments from boosters. And just somebody trim- made fun of that. That's great. You could probably buy a you know a quarterback for like you know uh, two games with that. Half of a five-star quarterback for a million dollars. I think I was the somebody, line. Yeah, it was the line. Put that out there. But everyone's trying to figure out how to tap into this. And obviously, the bigger schools, the the powerhouses, the blue bloods, if you will. They, they don't need to work at this. They've, they've got oh, more, no. more than enough corporations who are yes. more than willing to pay guys to go play for Alabama or USC or Ohio State. But for schools like ASU, it's a bit of a challenge. And, and ASU wasn't helped by the fact that they're a little behind the eight ball on this one. Other schools started embracing this sooner than they did, and they've been a little slow. They're trying to get caught up. Now, this is new, and this is it's funded in part by Larry Fitzgerald. He's one of the, I believe, investors in this, and he's one of the, like on the board of it. Good Larry, the businessman that he is. Look at him. Pac-12 players become okay. the first group to monetize personal highlight videos on Twitter. Okay, okay. Um, you're probably better at explaining things than I am because I right. read the whole story, looked at the whole thing, and then scratched my head. And I said, I still don't kind of get it. But then you guys explained it to me, and I kind of get it now. But I'll I'll let you explain how it works. So I believe initially it's only going to be available to football and basketball players. So let's say you're let's say you're the quarterback of ASU football. Right. Okay, you, John Gambadoro is the quarterback of ASU football. You can. This this company will capture film on you playing quarterback for ASU from every angle possible, right? I mean, they're just going to shoot video of you, video highlights, you okay. playing football, you playing quarterback. Yeah. When the game is done, they're going to make sure you get the video and that you publish the video on Twitter. Okay. Okay. So now video of Gambo coming from your Twitter right. account is out there and you're Here's playing quarterback for ASU. Today. <laughs> Here's you your watch every one of my pick positives. Here's my five touchdowns oh, okay. and my my seventy eight percent completions percentage, right? That what they're gonna do is they're gonna put advertising at the beginning of your video. And then whatever money they make off the advertising they sell as part of your Twitter video, you get. They'll give you some of it. Okay. Yeah. So you just all you have to do is post a video. All you have just to do is post a video. Post, post a video. That's it. And you can I wonder how much money they can make. I have no idea. Because I I don't know about you, but sometimes like if I click on a video, ESPN has it all. You click on a video, it's like a 30-second ad before they show the video. Mm-hmm. I'm like out of there. <laughs> like I'm out. Depends on how bad I want to watch the video. Right. You know, no, I mean, it, it, so, but it, it truly does. Been like, oh, I'm sure. Not waiting oh. 30 seconds. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have, like, time constraints here. Or have you ever been like, oh, thank God, it's only 15 seconds and not 30. And I'll yeah. sit through a 15 second video, but I won't sit through a 30 second video. Yeah. yeah. Depends on how bad. Video, there's some video of an orca whale, like, 
killing a great white shark, and like I wanted to watch this. I sat through like the ad for it, like just the other day. Mm-hmm. Like orca kills great white shark, and I'm like, you know, I like that stuff, right? Because my wife does. So I'm like, all right, I gotta see it. How did? How, let me see this orca tail this tear this great white. Apart. But obviously, it just comes down to how many views that you're gonna get of your highlights, and then is it worth it for some company to put some commercial on the front end of that, and then you get some money off? Yeah, of if you're that. A, if you're a quarterback, you're going to get a lot more people clicking on your videos than if you're an offensive lineman. See, that's the thing that I would say. I mean, what kind of offensive lineman? What are you going to get? What is? What are the offensive linemen going to get? It doesn't seem like it would be a lot. Yeah, running backs maybe, wide receivers, okay. You know, if, if you're a defensive back and you have a couple of really good plays, you could put that high. Here's my interception. Okay, I get it. Sacks. So the big things. But there are some players at the positions that they play are probably not going to get any people like watching my highlight reel. But I'll, I'll say this about it, and even though I might not understand exactly how it works and exactly if there's a lot of money to be made in it, in today's college football world, this is the kind of creative stuff you're going to have to come up with to keep up in this world, yeah. right? You're, yeah. Right now, it's only in the Pac-12. I'm sure other conferences will do something similar at some point. But if you're not Alabama, if you're not Ohio State, if you're not one of the biggies, you're going to have to do stuff like this in an attempt to keep up. Because at some point, this is going to be every much a part of the battle to recruit a kid if it isn't already. How much money are you going to make me? What are my, what are my revenue opportunities? How much money am I going to make? I mean, we're already kind of there. You know, the guy leaves for ASU, guy leaves ASU, ASU goes go to, to USC, USC, gets a million dollars. Gets a million dollars. He's a two-star recruit, comes over, ASU builds the kid up, he goes to USC and he's base bagging you, you a million have, dollars. You have to compete in that world. You have to find a way to try to at least keep up a little in that world. And, you know, is this going to work? I don't know. But more creative ideas like this are going to be necessary to try to provide funds for other kids so that some of these programs can keep up. No, there's just there's just a ton. Of, I mean, I, there's just tons of options out there. You know, some of them I don't even, you know, I don't even get. But okay, like even me, I have this company that kits me up all the time. You know, hey, you know, Gamba, how was your vacation? Any interesting, again, in giving Cameo, which like, there's this, this Cameo thing where you could do like videos for people. Hey, happy birthday or, you know, stuff like that. And then they, they either pay you or donate money to your charity and something like that. And so they get a percentage of it. But people could then now hire you to like do a video for somebody. Sure, or wishing somebody like a happy birthday. I've seen those right. videos, yeah. Yeah, now, I, I, you know, I, I haven't done it through a company, but I've had people ask me, can you do a video? My dad's a big fan or my brother's a big fan. Sure. You know, you donate 50 bucks to this charity to save the whales and I'll do the video for you. So I've done that several times, but there are, there's a lot of avenues that are out there. Listen, I applaud the Pac-12 for looking into this. I applaud the Pac-12 for being the first because it allows these kids to make money legitimately. And that's legitimate. That's a legitimate way to make money. It's, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it's legit. It's some, it's, it's going to be an option that they're going to need to be able to take advantage of. We'll just see what other, and then Larry Fitzgerald's involvement. I mean, he's he's savvy when it comes to stuff like this. You know, he's a sharp, sharp business person, that Larry Fitzgerald. And his involvement, his the awareness of his involvement, I would imagine that would help, too, a little bit with the business model, knowing a guy like Fitz is involved. You're the Pac-12. You need every advantage you can for these kids to come, to play, to say, hey, we're the first. We're the only ones to have this. You get Every advantage you could get. Because these kids now, it's not just about going there, getting an education, and having a chance to play at the next level. It's like, I'm going to go there, but I want my 
money now. I want to make some money right now. So it's you, you've got to come up with new ways to create revenue. It's so funny. My wife and I were we we started watching a show, an old show, right? And the only way we could find it on one of the streaming services was with commercials. And we're like, oh, to heck with that. I mean, it was just I'd rather just buy the season on iTunes so we can watch it with. And it's just like. 30 seconds worth of video commercials, right? After a while, you're watching it. Oh, man, another one. Brat. I know, well, it's when you get, you know, used to just being able to stream something and not have to deal with that. Yeah, it, it you you find ways around that if you get a chance to. So, I, I, but this advertisement opportunity, if, if there's enough clicks, if there's enough views, then you sign on with the advertising and there you go. You watch it, right? Listen, ASU needs, ASU, U of A, and the Pac-12, they need as much help as they can get indeed when we come back we all understand how frustrating it is to see paul goldschmidt succeed with st louis did the diamondbacks when it was all said and done still make the right move that's coming up burns and gambo 98.7 fm arizona sports station burns and gambo we had Troy Lavello on the show earlier, the manager of the Diamondbacks. Normally, we do our weekly visit with him on Tuesday, but because of the trade deadline, we pushed it back to Friday. They got the Colorado Rockies today. One of the pieces they traded on the trade deadline on Tuesday was Luke Weaver. Obviously, he was one of the parts at the time, one of the big parts of the Paul Goldschmidt trade. And you had asked him a question. I don't have the soundbite available, so I'll kind of paraphrase what he had said about you know what ultimately kind of went wrong with Luke Weaver. And it was the injuries and it was not being able to find a role for him and the inconsistency and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it led that trade deadline and that move. It led Bob Nightingale, when he was on Bickley and Murata on Wednesday, to speculate then that that Paul Goldschmidt trade, the one that got Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver back here back in 2018. Bob Nightingale of USA Today told Bickley and Murata it might go down as one of the worst trades in the history of Major League Baseball. You can't afford to make moves like the uh, Goldschmidt trade. I mean, that's going to go down as one of the worst in baseball history. Uh, you know, just, you know, got awful. And uh, you got to spend money at the right places. You know, they spend a lot of money on Baumgartner. You know, he's not that same guy. He was in San Francisco. Uh, so, those, those sort of things. You can't make mistakes if you don't spend money. In this day and age, I think, you're, you know, your payroll needs to be closer to $200 million than $100 million. I'll tell you what makes that take even more interesting now is that when you look at the season, Paul Goldschmidt is having, right? Uh Because it's not, in some ways, it's atypical, isn't it? It's not the average Paul Goldschmidt season that we've come to expect from a guy in his mid-30s. Korea year at 34 years old. There was a terrific story in the New York Times about Goldie. And it kind of said he was a really fine player for the Diamondbacks. You know, he made six all-star teams. His peak years, you know, ran from 25 to 30, right? Those were his peak years. Then he got traded to the Cardinals after the 2018 season. And then his numbers began to drop. Still a great, you know, great value. He, but he stopped making the all-star team. He didn't make the all-star team in St. Louis. Batting average stayed close to 300. Homer totals around 30. But other stuff began slipping. Right at the walks, the on base plus slugging percentage started to really drip, uh, slip three years in a row. And then all of a sudden, this season comes in. 
And through Wednesday, leading the National League in a ton of statistics. Batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, career highs in batting average and slugging percentage. Already has 25 homers. It's only six short of what he did last year in a full season. And he got back to the All-Star game for the first time in four years. D-backs trade Goldie. Doesn't make the All-Star team in St. Louis. Doesn't make good player. Good player. Does it now All-Star putting up career numbers at an age when most people decline at 35, at 34 years old. It even says, and this was fascinating, it's been 16 years since a player ended his 34-year-old season with an OPS as high as Goldschmidt's. That was Manny Ramirez in 2006 with the Red Sox. So Goldie is having, at 34, a career year, which makes the trade worse. Of course. Because you would have thought by now that Goldie would be on the decline and not putting up like an MVP-type season at 34 years old. You'd be thinking he'd start to slip a little bit. Okay. But... He's having a great, great year, and it doesn't seem to be, you know, not not really slowing down in average in home runs throughout his career with the Cardinals. Yeah, no, I, it, 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 he hasn't, um, and it, it does. Look, we all regret that trade. I think we all understood in the moment why it was made. At least to a certain extent, we understood why it was made because the, the the Goldschmidt contract and the and the, the Diamondbacks just weren't prepared to pay that kind of money. We can argue maybe they should have been better prepared to pay that money, but they weren't going to pay it, and so they got the best deal they felt they could at the time in getting what they thought was going to be their catcher of the future and certainly a guy in their rotation. It obviously didn't work out, but but this, where the story is absolutely right is that by now. You know, four years after this trade, we shouldn't be looking at Paul Goldschmidt with this kind of envy, right? We shouldn't be looking at Goldie with this kind of seller's remorse, like, oh man, that trade. By now, he should have been in a decline in his career. He's be Thirty-five by, years old by, next month. By now, next he's, month. yeah, his numbers should be starting to go down and and not go up. I mean, I I, I looked at okay, here is Paul Goldschmidt at the peak of his career. Okay. 25 to 30. 25 through 30. He was an all-star every year. This is 2013 through 2018, all with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. The typical average Paul Goldschmidt year during that time. You ready? Yeah. He was hitting 301. He had an OPS of 947. He, on average, had about 30 home runs and 100 RBI. Okay, that was the average Paul Goldschmidt year. 301, 947, 30 homers, 100 RBIs. He's hitting 332 this year. 31 points better than his best five-year stretch with the Diamondbacks. He's got an OPS over 1,000, nearly 75 points higher than his best five-year stretch with the Arizona Diamondbacks. How unreasonable is it to have a player at age 34, soon to be 35, playing better than he was when he was playing his best for the team that he was an all star for. The point of the story is that you should be in decline. You should not be playing better at 35. He'll be when this season ends, he's 35 years old when this season ends. Like if he wins the MVP at 35 and puts up better numbers than what he did from 25 to 30 with the D backs, it's just, it's a rarity. Matter of fact, it says. In his story, it was another interesting point. He stands a good chance of being only the eighth player since 2012 to hit 30 or more home runs while batting 330 or higher. 
That's it. Three, he's hitting 332. So, and he's under contract for 22 million this year, 22 million next year, and 22 million the year after that. Kind of reasonable now, when all things being equal. He signed a five-year, 130 million dollar deal with the Cardinals. Now, I will tell you, he wanted 175 million in new money from the D-backs. He got 130 in new money from the Cardinals, but he would not have signed with the Diamondbacks for that same money. This I know is a fact because I have I have all the details written down. He wanted 175 million in new money to stay in Arizona. Took 130 in new money from the Cardinals. 45 million dollars less to go to St. Louis than in than in Arizona. In retrospect, would it have been so bad if they gave him that money? No, like no, no. I mean, now it's like I mean, in retrospect, because in retrospect, you know, instead of spending the money on Yasmani Tomas, and I know that happened before, but instead of spending the money on Madison Bumgarner, instead of spending the money, you know what I'm saying? It's like in retrospect, you know, knowing how salaries have gone up, suddenly twenty million dollars a year, twenty two million dollars a year, whatever it is for Paul Goldschmidt, doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I mean, who would you rather be paying twenty two million dollars a year to right now, Madison Bumgarner or Paul Goldschmidt? You don't even have to ask. I know, right? I mean, it's yeah, because it's a dumb question, of course. But he's he had a chance to be. Now, would they have won anything? Probably not. Would they be knocking on the door of a probably not a World Series or an NLCS? Would you have would you have had to trade him this year? Maybe, maybe. Okay, but you, you Paul but, Goldschmidt's about to be thirty-five years old. You got him under the contract for for two years, and somebody needs a big bat in their lineup, and he's having a career year. He would have you been. Would get, you would. You would. You have gotten the farm for him. You would have gotten a lot for him. You have gotten the farm. Team for him. with two years of control and only forty million bucks. Yep, it's easy or to say a little this. bit more because you would have had to pay him more. It's but. easy to say all of this in hindsight. It's easy to look back and say, yeah, they should have. And I, I acknowledge there are people in the moment who are like, what the hell are you doing? You can't go trade Paul Goldschmidt. Well, I, I remember in the moment people are like. Oh. You, you can't yeah. do this. this. This is crazy. This is you're making a huge mistake. You should pay this guy because he's your everything. He's your franchise. He's your face. And and for you know for as much as success as I don't know if they would have had with him staying around. I do miss him. It, it's nice having a guy like that as your cornerstone, even when things aren't going great. Yeah. As a team, it's nice having a Paul. It, it was nice having a Shane Doan there all those years when the Coyotes weren't playing well. Right. To have that face of the franchise. Yeah, guy. Paul Goldschmidt would have been your face. He would have been your Doan. He would have been your Larry Fitzgerald if you had kept him. It was December 5th, 2018. Uh, I broke that story. The Diamondbacks are closing in on a deal with St. Louis involving Paul Goldschmidt. Could happen today. Uh, they ended up trading him for, obviously, Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly. And... And here we are four, you know, four years later, and he, Luke Weaver's traded, and Paul Goldschmidt could be the MVP in the National League. Yep. When we come back, Cliff Kingsbury has had to take a lot of questions about incidents off the football field. Today, he addressed the latest incident off the football field. You hear what he had to say about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.